Alrighty. Um, we're just going to carry on a little bit from where Philip left off last week about um, vision. And he spoke about the importance of having a vision. And the Bible actually says without a vision, the people wander aimlessly about. And uh, anybody who knows anything about themselves know that if you don't have a purpose, you don't have a focus, that you can just wander aimlessly about and uh, not get much done. You usually have to have some sort of focus for the day, if it's not a day off, and um, that you you need to have things to head towards. And, um, you know, we were created in the image of God. That's what Genesis says, and that... You just have to look around you to see how creative God is, you know, and um, there's these, all these little babies, babies around and just look at them to see, to see that there's, there's, here's a creative God. He has all the minute details so down and, you know, a sunset and, and creation and that he has a vision for the universe. So if we're created in his image, and his likeness, we're actually hardwired to be creative too. We're hardwired to have a vision and a purpose and to be able to see. Because if God is like that, and you just have to look around you to see that he is, then he has made us like him, in his likeness, in his image. And so how he is, is how we are created to be. So it's hardwired in our very DNA to be creative and to see and to see and to speak into reality those things that are not yet seen or manifest until they are. I mean, that's what God does. He just speaks those things that are not as though they are, and bang, they happen to come to pass. He sees first, and then he speaks. And that's how he's made us. And he wants us to have that vision and to call those things that are not yet manifest as though they are, to call those things to being. That's the dynamic of faith. That's where faith comes in, you know. If we don't have any connection with God, then we often just speak those things we can see. There's a chair there. Good? The chair's going to hold my weight. It doesn't take much faith. But to say that, you know, there's a car or there's a, you know, that, that this person has come to know Jesus or that you're going to have a baby when you have no baby or all those things. I'm going to have a job or I'm going to have... Um, you know, be able to pay my bills when all you can see is the opposite. Now that is a dynamic of faith. And that's what God gives us. And he says, you're made in my likeness, you're made in my image. He created the world by faith, that what he was going to speak, that what he saw within him and he released it out, that was what was going to come to pass. And that's what's powerful about when we hook up to God and we hold on to his promises. I love how God gets ahead of me before I speak. But uh, we hold on to his promises and they will come to pass because when we connect with him, he starts to put things in our life so that we start to see, we start to imagine, we start to connect with the plan and purpose that God has for each one of our lives. And then we start to speak it and it comes to pass. We start, you know, and we need to develop that. It's God we're talking about. We need to develop that. Just like a child needs to develop, they're not going to instantly look and be as strong as their mum or dad. You know, little Joshua, one day he's going to, you know, be as tank as Stuart, no doubt. But it's going to take time and he starts look after him and you feed him and you give him everything he needs to grow, don't we? Yeah, he's feeding well. (laughs) Yeah, and he grows and he develops and he strengthens himself until one day he's lifting weights like Stuart. And saying, hey, Dad, I can lift more than you, no doubt. You're starting in a few years' time. But that's how it is with us. God has created us and he says, come on now, feed. 
Feed yourself so you get strong. What do we feed ourselves on? What he says so that it strengthens us so we grow and we grow and we develop. So then we start to speak like God speaks. We start to eat the things that he says eat just like a child with. And that's what it is to get in the, um, to be like him is we, we eat like him and we think like him and we talk like him. I mean, you see a father and a son, they often, you know, talk and walk the same. Or they have the same expressions and that's what God wants us to be like because that's when the promises start to just bang, 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 bang. But it takes us developing our faith because it's already there. You cannot believe without faith and God has given all of us the ability to have faith. It's just we've got to develop it and we develop the ability that when we speak, it will come to pass. And that's a development thing. When we speak, that the things we speak will come to pass. And so God wants to school us in that. It's not like we speak at once and nothing happens, we give up. You know, if we fed Joshua and he didn't grow straight away, oh, well, we won't feed him again. How silly is that? He'd yell. Yeah? But, yeah, we do that with our our faith and with the dynamic of believing God to do stuff is we do it once, we feed on the word for one day or one week and then nothing that we can see happening, so we give up and we don't feed again. And so nothing develops. And the things that God is saying, come on, don't let go, is that. That's a dynamic of faith. So Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him who believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as they were. So that's Romans 4.17. Underline that in your Bible. That's Abraham who had no children, was over, over 100 years old, and uh, it was like, well, I'm too old now. And yet God said, no, I, even if something looks totally dead, I can make it come alive. Just speak those things that are not as though they are. The Bible is a pretty exciting book. It is. It's, there's some crazy stuff in there. Yeah? And uh, so Romans 4.17, underline it because that's the element and that's a dynamic of faith and vision, and things coming to pass that we must, you know, to live the life that God wants us to live, we must grab hold of that and live that way. God wants us to go from faith to faith, ever increasing. Just because you won, you've won here and got a victory there, he doesn't want you to camp out there. Come on, we've got to climb every mountain. What's the song? I knew there was a song for this. Climb every mountain. What does it go like? <laughs> yeah, I knew you were. No, I had to say, there you are. It's so, you're helping me out here. Sing along. Uh, One night at a prayer meeting, we had a song for every prayer. It was hilarious. My mum thought it was great. Uh, we, We go from faith to faith, ever increasing our ability and capacity to believe. We need to be bigger on the inside this year than we were last year. I'm bigger on the inside than I was at the start of the year. I'm, I'm big on the inside. I might look little on the outside, but I'll tell you what, I'm a giant on the inside. And God wants us to just get bigger and bigger that our capacity to believe grows. Now, you may feel like you can believe this much, but that's all you need is a mustard seed because that thing, when you stick it in the ground, it grows. It grows into a massive, mighty tree. And that's what God is. You just think, oh, but I can't believe for like that person. That's okay. You just grow and develop what you have and it will grow and give you the capacity to believe, give you the capacity to love, give you the capacity to walk in the things that God has called each one of us to live in. And it's like, you know, Joshua can't eat the same dinner as Stuart, but he will one day. 
because he's going to grow in capacity. He's going to eat a lot. And they'll go, my goodness, these boys, they eat me out of house and home. You know, Ben, he has a huge capacity, much more than Isaac. I don't know how he fits all those wheat bits in, but he does because he's growing his capacity. And that's what it is for God is that he wants us to grow our capacity. That we may feel like babies now, but babies grow. Babies grow if you feed them. So feed. Amen? So he wants us to grow. You know, when we've climbed one hill, to go to the next. Continually climbing higher until we're not just standing on the top of little hills anymore, but we're climbing mountains and we're standing on the summit. You know, there's lots of pictures where you see those people and they're standing on the mountaintop and they're free and they've got their arms out. It's like so inspiring and yes, well, that's how God wants us to actually be. He doesn't want us to get stuck going round and round and round the, you know, the mountain. He wants us to be able to, you know, get to one hill. You know, people don't climb Mount Everest just, you know, I'm not going to go out, get my mountain gear and climb Mount Everest. People die on that mountain, you know. They get frozen up there and stay there. And it's like we're not expected to climb those mountains straight off. We do a hill. Oh, good, I've had a win. All right, yeah, I'm going to climb that hill. Good, I've got a win because that's how you grow your faith muscles. And that's what God wants. You know, Habakkuk 3 verse 19 says, The Lord God is my strength and he has made my feet like hind's feet and makes me walk on high places, on my high places, it actually says, that he makes me walk on my high places. Psalm 18 verse 33 says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. Don't tell me God's not into climbing and, you know, reaching the summit. He says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand upholds me and your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me and my feet have not slipped. Psalm 18 verse 36. He enlarges our steps. You think about what it means to have the steps under you enlarged. They're not little stepping stones. He's like he makes a path for you. He enlarges the way under your feet. He extends it. He makes room. He opens it up so that we write rejoice and be speak boldly. That's what it means to enlarge our steps. You know, and we know about big wide spaces in Australia. You know, we live in a place where great big wide open spaces. We don't if you ever travel to a country where everything's just really small and closed in, you appreciate what we have here. You know, all we've got to do is, is stand on a hill somewhere or go to the beach and we see horizon everywhere. There's something really cool about that because it gives us a feeling of space. And when we have a feeling of space, we also have a feeling of freedom. And that's important to God. That's why he says, get up on the mountaintop. Get out from down in the trenches so you can see with perspective me and amongst your stuff. And he says, saying, having space is something actually that we crave. You often talk to people and they go, I just feel a bit, you know, claustrophobic. I feel hemmed in. I feel like I just can't breathe. And God, he's saying, your ability to dream, your ability to vision, your ability to climb and be able to keep on growing and, and going from faith to faith is that we have to be able to have space to do that and space to envisage all that God wants us to have. That's why he talks about going from faith to faith, climbing, stepping. Don't camp out. Don't camp out in the same place. It's very hard to focus on a, God actually speaking vision to us when we feel trapped in. That's why he says, shake off, shake off every, every weight. Do you want to turn down? Yep. <laughs> We're watching Prince of Egypt. Shake off every weight. And that's the things that so easily entangle us and run the race. 
Because God knows that when we feel entrapped and we feel pulled down that we can't see. And when you can't see, you can't vision. And when you can't vision, you're not going to be speaking anything good. You think about when you don't have something to work for, what do you talk like? If you don't have something to aim for, what do you, what do you think? God wants us to have space in our lives to be able to speak so that we can vision. Psalm 37 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now am I old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging bread. You know, God says that, if you just turn it right down, God says that even if you hit a tough spot, even if you've gone through some stuff, even if you feel like you've fallen and messed up, he says that you will not be totally cast down because he will reach down and pick you up with his righteous right hand. And it's so important for us to stand, understand in our walk of faith, yet yes, things will come against us. The devil doesn't want us to win. What he doesn't understand is that we already have through the cross of Jesus. We just have to walk out the victory. And sometimes we've got to, well, all the time, we've got to build muscles. We've got to build strength. We've got to feed ourselves to be able to walk out that victory and claim what is rightfully given to us. You know, the Bible says we are possessors of both heaven and earth. Possessors of both heaven and earth. We've just got to learn how to walk out the victory. So there's one thing I want to talk about today of how we begin that journey. Because if we don't get that one thing sorted out, then nothing else really works. It doesn't make sense. We don't see the right things. We don't speak the right things. We don't go the right way. And uh, there's a verse in James 4, verse, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we talk about vision, we ask ourselves, what is God saying to me? What has he got next for me? What have his planned for me? What am I meant to walk in next? But something has to be sorted out. And it's that submit yourself to God or yield yourself to God. Are you yielded to God? So I want to talk about what it means to be yielded and how we actually do that. Because if we don't get that one thing sorted out, all the other stuff won't work out how it should be. All that we'll keep on falling down, we'll keep on tripping up, we'll keep on getting stuck in the same old, same old stuff. We'll go round and round and round the mountain and never climb it. Because being yielded is the, is a really important thing. Romans twelve verse one says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, to present yourself, your bodies, as a living sacrifice. God actually wants us. He wants us to come to him and say, here I am, God. Here I am. Now, sometimes through life we have to realise that how we do it doesn't work. And you can go round and round and round trying to do things your way, the way you think, and it doesn't work out. You've got these dreams in your heart. You've got these things you want to do, and it just never seems to work out as it should. Or you may own the world, but yet you're miserable on the inside. You're lonely. I mean, you see that. All the famous sportsmen, all the people that, are, you know, have achieved and world success, but yet they are lacking in their hearts. And it happens. 
somewhere, somehow, they all get to the same point. You watch every celebrity, every person, they hit a point where they go, this doesn't matter, that doesn't fulfil who I am, it doesn't fill that empty spot. And they go looking to fill it with everything else. So God says, I want you to present yourselves, to hand over yourselves, to make ourselves over to the care and keeping and use of God. It's not an idea of sacrifice, it's surrender. He actually wants us to surrender. Now there's, an, there's lots of old songs, I surrender, I surrender all to you, you know. And it's like, we like to be in charge. We like to be the boss. But God actually says, to be the person that I've created you to be, you actually have to ha- follow me. You actually have to hand over your rights and give them to me. Yeah, and we often go, Jesus, I want eternal life. Jesus, I want you to take on my sins. I don't want to feel guilty. I want my, your healing. But, and that's great. He gives us to that freely. But there's another part of it is that he's our saviour, but then there's the Lord part. To be him be our Lord is you're in charge, which means to yield our will and give it to him. And he won't cross you. Because he has given us dominion and authority. When he created the world, he did that. And so he won't take our rights off us. You know, some people go, well, if it's God's, you know, if, why does God give us free will? He knows bad stuff's going to happen. Why doesn't he just stop it? Because he will not go against the principles of who he is. He has given that to us and given us the ability to choose. You know, I read something this week. It was, you know, people, they talk about knowing God and, they, and people don't want to know God now. They don't want to be near him. They, what, you know, they don't want to walk with him then why would they want to be with him and be in a house next door to him when they die? If they don't want to know him now, why would they want to know him later? Something to think about. Why, what, God's not going to force his will on us. He won't do that. It's against his nature. It's like a parent when they get, you get, the kids get to a certain age, you may as well not try and force your will. It only ends chaotically. You can't force your will because you've got to let them go. And even though it might break your heart, you've just got to let them find out. And God is the same. He will not force his will on us. He'll call us. He'll plead with us. He'll send people across your path. He'll allow some things to happen because he's trying to get through. But he will not override your will to get his will done. It's a choice. He lets us choose. So he says, present yourself, and this is our reasonable service, or as some would say, it's our common sense service. It certainly is the most profound common sense. If you are sick, to put your trust in the hands of the great physician. If you are lost, to put a, hand, a guide in the, into the hand of a safe guide, and to the care and keeping of a God who made us and who loves us and who alone can care for us. It's certainly the most profound common sense of all. To yield to God means to belong to God. And to belong to God means to have all his infinite power and love engaged on our side. A man is bound to take care of everything and anything that belongs to him. And so is God. If we belong to him and we've yielded our will and say, I belong to you, God. I belong to you. He says then he will put all his power at our disposal. He will look after us. He will care for us. When we come to him, he will heal us. If we yield to him, but he won't force us. He says, therefore, he invites us to yield. He invites us to yield to him. But you've got to understand there's forces at war. There's our self. 
and our old sinful nature, I call it the old hag that tries to get up out of the grave. You know, when, when we're baptised, our old life is buried and we stick it, stick it down in the ground and when we come up out of the waters of baptism, we've got new life. That old life has been washed away. It's, it's buried in the ground. But when we, we go, God, I yield to you, I surrender to you, but then Monday comes along and our old haggy nature comes up and we're having a spitty about something or somebody's upset us or God says, would you go and do this? And we go, here it comes, up out of the grave. You all know. And it comes up and it's like, and it gets on us and it tries to latch on and it tries to direct us away from the things of God. It tries to direct us over, back over to our old nature. And it comes up. And God says, I have given you a new nature. You're a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we've, the, the secret of yielding to God is understanding that we are a new creation now. When that old habit starts to come up out of the grave and it's stinking, we go, get back down in the grave and stick your foot on it because that's just the devil trying to make you think that you're that old person again. You're not that old person. You are a new creation. That old person doesn't belong. The word is creation, is kainos. That's somebody who is never, a brand new being, has never been before. It's not like you put a coat on and walk around and pretend you're some new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. That thing is dead and buried. But what the devil tries to do is pull that thing up out of the grave and tempt you with it. I don't know why we'd be tempted by a corpse. Really? That's why it's good to remember where we've come from and go, ah, run. (laughs) That's what repentance is. It's not like, oh, let's just play around with the corpse. Oh, gee, it's a bit of a ponky thing. But oh, well, you know, I'm comfortable with it. It looks a bit similar to me maybe. (laughs) You know, the teeth are still the same. (laughs) No, we've got to get that thing off. And it says to run your race, to cut off those things that so easily entangle us and run. Run away from that dead thing. Say, get back in the grave. I'm not going to have you latching on to me. I know I've grossed you out telling the story about in the old Middle Ages that if somebody did something wrong, they would attach a corpse to them and chain it to them and they would have to walk around. They'd just leave them to it. You know why? Because that corpse or the decay would, would get in and eat away at the living being and kill it. And it's the same if we walk around and let that old thing come out of the grave and let it attach to us, then it will eat away the new creation. And then we won't know who we are or where we're going or what we're supposed to do. So keep that hag down in the grave. If she starts or he starts to come up, you just say, get back in there. Get back in there. I'm a new creation. And remind it because it's an it of who you are in Christ. That's how we live, yielded to God, because we remind ourselves every day by reading his word, by meditating on it, by worshipping him, by turning our face to him constantly and say, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. I'm so thankful that I'm free. I'm so thankful that you have a plan and purpose for my life, that you knitted me together in my mother's womb and you knew all about me and all my days are written in your book of life and you know me. And I thank you that I am free from the past. You've got to remind yourself every day because otherwise that corpse is calling you back and we get tricked. We don't see it for what it is. We don't see the old habits for what they are because they're comfortable and we know them. 
And even though they stink, we're comfortable and we're comfort seekers, so we like to go back. But our new creation of who we are in Jesus says, go forward, run the race, and let me show you what I have planned for you. He has plans for you. He, has, he wants you to be a mountain climber. You know, there's people sitting in this room that have so much potential deep down on the inside of them, you would be astounded. There is leaders in this room. There is creators in this room. There is innovators in this room. There is famous sports people in this room. If, they will just, if we will just grab hold of who we are are in Christ. You know, we look at ourselves and think, what have I got to offer? What potential do I have? What can I do? But it's not just you living. It's not just us living. It's Christ that lives within us. And that is the Christ who raised people from the dead, the open blind ears, the unstopped, yeah, open blind ears, the open blind eyes, the unstopped deaf ears that raised people from the dead. And he lives within us. It says, you know, that you have the mind of Christ. And some of you had shared that the more you spend time with Jesus, the smarter you get. You know, how many people in this room have gone to university since they've they've been hanging out with Jesus? Yeah, Jade, Jade's story is so cool because she she would never have imagined four or five years ago that she was going to go to uni. She she didn't even go to her exams, did she? (laughs) She Yeah, she just walked out. It's like, and, and God just got a hold of her and put a vision in her heart and said, you can do this. And we just prayed that, prayed that. You can do this. You can do this. If you fall down, you fail, just get back up again. You can do this because that's what God says. You can do this. And when you're facing something in your life, forget about what you used to be like and grab hold of all you are now in him. And when you read God's word, that's yours. Those promises are ours, that we do not have to be afraid, that we are more than conquerors, that we can run and not grow weary, that we can walk and not grow faint, that we have the mind of Christ, that we're blessed as we go in and blessed as we go out, that everything we put our hands to will prosper at, that he teaches us a way to profit. That's all the word. You brought it in and it'll come out. That's what we're to speak. And you may think, I don't know those Bible verses. I've just shoved them in there. I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Amen? That's how God wants to be us to be. We don't start the journey like that. We get strong. We get strong. It's like when I started running 5Ks from couch to 5Ks, I was literally on the couch, and then God said, I want you to run. He started to show me myself running. I would close my eyes in a time of prayer and just spending time with God, and I'd see myself running. I'm like, that's weird. Why am I, every time I close my eyes, and literally every time I close my eyes to pray, I would see myself running, running, running for months. And I'm like, all right, there must be something in this. What are you trying to say? You know, I was spiritualizing it. Nah, actually, God wanted me to run. <laughs> we can get too spiritual for our own good, you know. And, and so I said, all right, I'll go and get a pair. Of, so I started to prepare myself, you know. And so I went and got a good pair of sneakers. I got some running clothes, you know. And I'm like, oh, this is funny. But every time I prayed, I would see myself running. So then I got the app, Couch to 5Ks, and you run for 30 seconds. And then you walk. And, uh, and everybody, I'm funny. They say I'm fail at because I have to be in front. So the girls would go running with me and I would run, run really fast and exhaust myself because I couldn't run further than 30 seconds. Then it would be 40 seconds. Then it was a minute. And it, I, over time, I grew strong. But the vision, I would see myself running. I would see myself running. 
And so I started to get, you know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible about running. And so I would say, oh, good, here we go. So I'll be running and I'll be, oh, goodness, God. And so I'll be running and it's like, no, I can run and not grow weary. I can walk and not be faint. That he gives me strength, that he quickens my mortal body. I have a whole lot of them. When I'm running and I'm tired, I just bring them out and I just I speak to myself. I speak the vision that God spoke. Now I'm on the way, not just to 5Ks, but to 10Ks. Now you can give a little, oh. <laughs> You know, it's like I need a new pair of running shoes because I've nearly worn my other ones out. Now, this is a person that couldn't run for more than 30 seconds a year ago. Is it a year, 18 months ago, you know? And in the middle of that, the day that I hit 5Ks, you know what happened? Because the devil is a stinker. You know, anybody who knows my story knows that I had a disease in my joints and in my knees especially, so I couldn't run all through my teenage years. I was the girl on crutches and bandages all through high school and physio and electric chop treatment and podiatry and all this stuff, so I couldn't run. So that's, God had to show me myself running because I had that in my head. And, and so the devil's a stinker because he knows that's that old hag he tries to bring up. I hurt my knee. The day I hit 5Ks, I'm so happy. Thank you, God. You've taken me so far. Yes. And I got runner's knee, which was where you lean over too far because you're tired <laughs> and you injure your knee. It took probably two months for that to heal. Now, if Shara was still here, she's off dancing, she would say that you lose all fitness. Just don't talk to her too much because <laughs> you lose all fitness after a certain amount of time and you've got to start again. So I was out for two months. I went to the doctor. He told me this bad news. I said, no, nah, this is that old hag thing. This is, that's my past. I am not going to be that again. God healed that knee. I know. And, this, and so I, I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, it's all right. You've just got to change your posture when you run. Let this thing heal and then go back out again. I had to start nearly back at the beginning again. I could run two minutes and then get puffed. I could run to the end of the street and have to walk. But I just kept on building up. I changed the way I ran. And now I'm running over 7 Ks again. And I'm on. By Christmas, you're going to see I'm 10 Ks. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to run to here in the city and back again. I'm, I'm a, I have to talk to Ivan's dad because I'm really intrigued how you run 87 Ks in one race. But I'm going to find out. There's this race in South Africa where they run 80, is it 80, 89. That's even worse. <laughs> they run 89 kilometres and Ivan's dad's done it. And it's like, how did they do that? Do you know how they do it? Because they just feed and they run and they bit by bit by bit, they grow strong. And that's how it is with us. But it comes by yielding and listening and going, God, I know you have a plan for me. It's bigger and better than I could dream or imagine. I'm going to yield to you because I know when I yield, you have something good in store for me. You have something great in store for me. And he will lead us, the Bible says, by his gentleness. He doesn't ram stuff down our throat. He leads us by his gentleness, the Bible says. And he shows us the things that he has planned in store for us. He calls me a runner. He's my running coach. He stands my, he runs along my shoulder. I have angels sometimes because I get tired. I say, Lord, I need the angels. And I'll feel this pressure come under my elbow. Now, I'm still running people. It's not just, you know, then taking me off the ground. As Philip says, you have too much help. But it's like I can feel the presence of God when I'm, when I'm there. And he goes, God, I say, would you come running with me today? And he just helps me along when I'm feeling tired and the scriptures come up. And I speak to myself and I see myself running. 
When God puts a vision in your heart, he enables us to do it. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have setbacks. Runner's knee was a massive setback. I had to start almost back at the beginning. But that's okay because we get strong and I get more determined. You're going to mess with me, old thing, then I'm going to kick your sorry butt. I'm going to shout so loud that I won over you that you're going to wish you hadn't come out of the grave. That's how we've got to be. Get a bit feisty and say, that may have happened. I may have had a stumble. I may have fell down. I may have had something come at me. But God overcomes. And greater is he that is in me than anything that old thing can dig up. Amen? Amen. Come on, I'm preaching better than that. Amen. Amen? So I want us to just get to the point where we just go, God, you can have everything. Because I know when you've got everything, you make everything better in me. And it's the lies of the enemy and the lies of the world that says God's going to take, that God wants to make things smaller. God wants to expand our horizons. He wants to enlarge our territory. He wants to bless us. And the lies of the devil is that he wants to make us smaller and hem us in and put laws and rules and regulations on us. He doesn't. He says that he hems us around with his angels so that we can walk the path we're meant to. That's what he says when he hems us in, that he protects us. So that anything the enemy tries to throw at us, he is there to help us through. It's like, it's like the shepherd, the shepherd on the football field. Now, correct me, Isaiah, if I'm wrong. But it's just like the shepherd. You've got the ball. You're running. The guy comes along and what does he do? He buffs the other guys out of the way. And the bigger you are and the stronger you are, the better shepherd that you give. Is that right? Yep. God and the angels are the guy who's shepherd. You've got the ball, you're running, you're heading for the goals or wherever you've got to go and he is the one that bumps everybody else out of the way, yeah? And you just got to you talk to one another, don't you? You talk, you talk to one another, so you talk to God. You talk to the angels and you say, you got this, I'm going this way, you got this. I'm going this way, you, you got my back, you got my side, you're up in front. That's how he works. You know, I think he was into, he's into football because he says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Yeah? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's like he is the good shepherd. He leads and guides us, but he's also got our back. And he says he hems us in beside and front and behind. That's what it means. Think next time you watch the Eagles play, because we all watch the Eagles. It's, they've got it. And yeah, they won. <laughs> Watch how they shepherd. They go, and if they're a good shepherd, then they're going to protect the guy with the ball. You're the guy with the ball. The ball is your vision. All right? Don't let go of the ball. Hold on to that ball because that's your vision, and know that God is your good shepherd. Amen? Amen. All right. That was just off the cuff, by the way. Anyway, let's pray together. Good job. I love football when they're winning. (laughs) Lord, I just want to thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you love us so much, that you've got our back, that you go before us, you hem us beside us, Lord, not to close us in and not to give us limitations, but to protect us and, and help us to walk in the way that you have planned for us. And Lord, I ask that you would show each one of us the ball that we're meant to be running with, the vision that we're, that we're to carry and that we would run and not grow weary, that we would walk and not be faint, that we would soar on wings like eagles, Lord, that we would reach the destination but along the way we'd had an awesome, awesome journey. 
And, Lord, that you would strengthen each one of us, Lord, where we've had hiccups, where we might have had felt like we are knocked down, where we've had injuries, Lord, that you would strengthen our hands, that you would strengthen our legs, that you would enable us to get back up, that you would guide us and show us a way to profit, show us a way to go, Lord, that there would be restoration and that we would go farther and, and, and higher than we would have if that hadn't happened, Lord, that you restore and make it better. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to yield to you every day. Not because you want to take from us, but you want to get to us something. You want to get things to us and that we would just have a shift in our thinking that by yielding it's not a loss but a win. And every day, every minute of the day, help us to yield to your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Have an awesome week.